I'm Aaron Sagers, and this is Talking Strange. Hello, uh, spooky nerds, and welcome to Talking Strange, a paranormal pop culture show with the Den of Geek Network, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and also right here, right now, as a live stream. I'm your host, journalist, author, researcher of all things weird Aaron Sagers. I also appear on the Netflix series 28 Days Haunted and on the Travel Channel and Discovery Plus show Paranormal Caught on Camera. And the guest today, I'm excited to get them, get them together. You've probably heard me say this many times before, but these are folks that I've been trying to get together for a chat for a bit. And everybody's got crazy schedules, which is good, especially for your friends. You're, you're happy to see them busy and active and this is the case with these two so but we are here now we're here to talk about their latest project now together they are the producers and hosts of travel the dead the paranormal investigative series on youtube it premiered in april 2022 it's a multi-part investigation series and it began with white hill mansion and then a couple weeks ago, they launched their new investigation at Penhurst. And there are more episodes and investigations on the way. So I want you to get your questions ready. And let's bring them in for the chat. The first folks I'm bringing in, her name is Heather Taddy. She's a paranormal researcher and investigator. She's known for her work as team documentarian on A&E's hit television series, Paranormal State. Taddy starred on Travel Channel's Alien Highway. She's guest starred on Travel Channel's Portals to Hell with Jack Osborne and our other guest, Katrina Weidman. And she's also been on the CW's Mysteries Decoded. And she is featured in an upcoming documentary by Chad Kalick called Harbingers of Doom. And let me bring her in. Hi. Hey. Good to see you. Good to see you. I'm glad we're here. And uh, our other guest is Katrina Weidman. She's co-host of A&E's hit docu-series, Paranormal State, then was the host for Chiller Channel's Real Fear, The Truth Behind the Movies. And then there was more uh, Truth Behind More Movies. And she was also the co-host of Paranormal Lockdown with Nick Groff and then joined Portals to Hell as co-host with Jack Osborne. And let me bring her in. Hi. Hey, there, <laughs> hey, hey, good to see you both. You too. Like I said, I, I think we've been chatting about this project for a bit of time and mm-hmm. uh, and it is here. Congratulations. And I'm happy to be talking to you both. And um, I mean, to my knowledge, I know you're both uh, PA people, Pennsylvania people. Um, I don't know if you're there right now. How are you holding up? during the winter it's been uh, you know i'm in new york city it's been kind of mild snow yeah. has not been sticking well the eagles are going to the super bowl so right. my side of pa is really really excited because i'm i live outside philly heather's on the other side so i'm not sure where, where are you landing heather are you excited for the eagles or are you more like um, well drunk? i know that the steelers are definitely not going to the super bowl um, <laughs> but i don't know the weather here I, i'm getting kind of sick of the cold i must say i kind of want to live in the desert mm, yeah yeah Give me a beach. Give me a tiki bar on a beach somewhere. That's that's all I need. Desert. I guess that's okay. But yeah, the I don't I don't I mean, are either of you really are you football people? Uh, Katrina, are you a football person? So it's a thing 
um, in Philly, it doesn't matter. Like you just have to be for your teams in Philly. Right. Like, it doesn't really matter if you're into football or not. You just have to love the Eagles. And if you don't, you get kicked out of the city. Like that's what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, no, it's just, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. It's one of those things like once they start doing really well that I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you get, you get pulled into the, just the, the you know the gravity of the fandom um yeah so i can understand that now taddy you're not a big football person i'm not you know i'm more of a hockey person it's it's a little bit more exciting for me to watch hockey and i, I actually understand what's going on and people get into fights it's just a little bit more exciting to me than watching football <laughs> mm-hmm. well i i was actually rooting for the steelers but i'm you know i i'm kind of like I'm not religious about football. I just, you know, I enjoy it. I'm like, oh, okay, that's happening. That's how, okay, I'll watch that and eat some nachos and drink some beer. So, you know, it's all good by me. But, um, you know, having spent a lot of time in Philly, I am excited about the Eagles being there, but would have been happy if it had been the Steelers. Um, But uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about. It's just, just, you just can't not talk about it, especially when you got a Philly and Pittsburgh person here. You know, you can't not talk about these things. Um, but let, let's talk about Travel the Dead. First off, the the title itself, I, I want you to kind of illuminate that a little bit about where the title came from, because it is a great title. It's just so uh, literary, really. Um, so who who came up with this? Where did this come from? Um, so it, it brainstorm session I had and it was very much we were because this wasn't going to be a series. It was literally I just called Heather during the pandemic and Heather and I, um, you know, since we've been in the field since 2006, as you know, professionally, we get calls from all over the world to come and investigate. And Heather and I, sometimes our schedules don't always match because, you know, we're just out filming, doing whatever. And um, so we do have a group that we privately run, but we don't often get to take on cases because of schedules. And then the pandemic hit, And all these places that, you know, we've always wanted to go to and investigate were like, hey, we have an open schedule. Come whenever you want. And then it was like, well, our schedules are clear. (laughs) So, like, sure, we can make it work now. And um, so we did one and we for I don't know if it's I don't know, Heather, because we we always work together on some level. But I think it was we just forgot how much fun we had working together. Mm -hmm. And so when we did the first one together, which was White Hill Mansion, we were like, we got to do more like this. We have too much of a good time together and we really enjoy working together and, you know, going on these investigations and everything. So then we just started to do more. And um, so then we were like, well, wow, we need a title. Um, And I was having a brainstorm session and it just sort of came one day and I liked the way it sounded. And I talked to Kat Croft, who is our DP and she was originally our editor and um, she films us and everything. And I was like, what do you think of this title? She's like, I love how it sounds in my mouth. (laughs) I was like, yeah. Um, But um, as far as like the meaning, I think it's, you know, we very much live in this spooky kind of world, 365. And so it's kind of a play on travel the world. You know, why travel the world when you can travel the dead? Um, And yeah, go ahead, Heather. Oh, I was going to say it's also very fitting for like the beginning of our friendship because the beginning of of our friendship, we were on constant road trips going to families' homes that were haunted and being thrown into this TV series while we were in college. So it very much also goes with, you know, 
our friendship, like the beginning of our friendship, which is really cool. Yeah. So it has a couple of meanings to us. Yeah. I mean, it it does sound like a line from a Poe uh, poem, <laughs> like uh, some sort of work by or Shakespearean almost. So it does. Yeah, it does kind of taste good in the mouth. I, right? I, I like that. <laughs> I, actually, you know, since you mentioned this, speak a little bit about Cat Croft, who is your DP on this. Um, how did she kind of come into the picture? So Kat had contacted me because she's a filmmaker and she's a fan of the paranormal. She's had a lot of experiences herself. And um, I think she just DM'd me and then she emailed me because she had a project she was getting off the ground. And we started talking and we just, I mean, it was one of those things where you instantly get along with somebody. And when we were talking one day and I was saying, yeah, Heather and I are going to go to this old mansion in New Jersey and, you know, just film and investigate. And again, pandemic. And Kat's all the way in Texas. She's living in Austin at the time. And she's like, can I please come and film you guys? And I was just like, why? I'm like, you live like really far from us. And she's like, I need a break from my family. I need to come and see other people. I need to go do some work. And I was like, all right. So she drove all the way from Austin to New Jersey and met us and filmed with us. And um, we just all got along really well. And it was just one of those things of, you know, why would we stop doing this when we enjoy it so much? And just kind of fell into place. Yeah, you know, I want to kind of do the wayback machine for a minute here. And you're mentioning like things clicking, people getting along together. And obviously you guys have been friends for a long time. But with a lot of paranormal shows, sometimes, you know, when you've reached the level where you can be a producer or have a little bit more weight, you can choose who you want to work with or not. But there's also situations where you're cast and you end up, you know, with whoever is thrown at you. For you two, going back to 2006, uh, did you did you are I and I probably should know this, and I don't I don't actually don't think I do. Did you actually know each other before Paranormal State, and or did you come together because of the production? We met like what was it, Heather? Like a couple weeks before the production at the club meeting. Yeah, I think was it 2005 that we met, or was it 2006? 2006 because we okay. you and I met remember because we liked each other's shoes yeah that's why we started talking to each other <laughs> that's why I decided you know I was going to a PRS meeting and I'd be going yeah. to a couple and I started the training process to become a field investigator and I remember walking in the room I didn't know anybody um I walked in the room and she had these really cool red shoes on and I was like I'm gonna sit next to her because she has <laughs> style <laughs> and, and then I was- like, just our friendship just blossomed yeah. And we, I remember Heather had like bedazzled loafers or something that she was wearing and I kept staring at them during the whole meeting. And I was like, I need to talk to this girl. And then after our meeting, we ended up talking outside like the whole night about mm-hmm. what saved by the bell 90210 vi- playing violin. Cause we both played violin Yeah, and we just became instant friends that night. And then it was a couple weeks later that we got casted in the show. Yeah. I mean, Everybody, I was I was looking through, I found like an old hard drive with some photos on it and found some old pictures from like investig- paranormal investigations. I'm like, oh my God, even though it doesn't seem that long ago, I was such a baby and I definitely had less bags around my eyes and <laughs> uh, less, less wrinkles and whatnot. How have you, how have you changed in that time? When you look back, you're like, oh my God, we we're in college, we were children. Um, and now that was like sort of a, probably like 
being part of a band, you know, hitting the road uh, and and living in hotels for a little bit of time when you're filming. And now it's a job, but you're a lot older. How do you think you've, you've changed as far as your philosophies go towards the paranormal specifically? Taddy, why don't you start with that one? Well, you know, growing up, obviously, I've always had a huge interest in this subject, but I didn't grow up in a haunted house. And all of my deemed paranormal experiences kind of stemmed from using a Ouija board. And um, so I've always been like kind of skeptical, but I think after being on so many like diverse cases, it really, especially with working with families because of the psychological aspect to it, there's so much stuff that I feel like gets overlooked. And I feel like um, it's definitely, I've, I've more well-rounded in the field now, not only from doing like the classic, you know, haunted residential home, but now the alien stuff. So I feel like definitely from paranormal state, at least it's just because we had so many unique, we worked with so many unique families, so many unique locations. And it's like a whole other like um, deal, like investigating a residential home versus just going out and doing it and not working with families. So there's a lot of stuff that gets overlooked, but I feel like, you know, and just from our white Hill mansion episode, I feel like I can now go into a location and just like, pick up on things more um, just because of doing it for so long. Yeah, sure. I I can, I can relate to that. It's like, I never would claim that I'm sensitive or anything, but you do tune in a little bit over time. You, you do these things enough that you kind of pick up the vibes or kind of just get the, the feel of a place, I guess. Um, Katrina, how about you? I mean, when you look back, when baby Katrina, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how is how has she changed as far as how have you changed as far as your approach to the weirdness, the unexplained, the high strangeness? Yeah. I think I came in with the understanding of the supernatural the way a lot of people understand it, and that's through media, you know, so through movies and through books and uh, television shows. And you know, I, I'm going to echo what, what Heather said is that you learn very quickly, especially when you're working with clients, so eyewitnesses, one on one that there's so many nuances that go into an experience. There's so many things in our lives that color how we view things. And that can lead us to think that a normal experience is supernatural, or that can lead us to think that a supernatural experience is evil, or that, you know, that can just shape the way we talk about these things. And so it became really clear early on that to be a good investigator, you have to strip all of that away. And you really have to get down to what actually happened. And it's not an easy thing to do because there's a lot of stripping that has to happen. But um, I think very early on, it was I was kind of cocky about what I thought a supernatural experience was. And I think I kind of started out. mm, I don't know if I was out to prove anything. I think it was just more I knew I had my experiences. So I was like, this stuff is real. Like, I know it. Nobody can tell me otherwise. And then I think where I'm at today is, yeah, I totally believe that strange things happen that we can't explain yet, but I don't necessarily think that we're using the right terms. I don't think we're using the right definitions. I I think we're very, um, we're very like a one track mind when it comes to the supernatural, instead of being more open to maybe all the possibilities that could exist. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because we're talking about the unexplained, the paranormal, and yet, 
even with this, our our human minds want to put it in a box and, and apply definition to it. And, you know, even over the years, this notion of um, the the so-called professionals and whatnot or people that do this a lot that start applying, you know, these these uh, boundaries to it of something that by definition has no boundaries that we currently understand. Right. Um, so it's, I mean, I think, I hope that, that, uh, that, that there's been an evolution as far as how people approach this in the mainstream anyhow, or, or I don't know. Do you think, I mean, do you think? I think it's starting to shift because we're having these types of conversations, but I yeah. think, you know, one of the benefits of the show, the show explosion that happened, you know, when Heather and I were on TV for a paranormal state, um, was that it exposed so many people and so many people were like, Hey, I've had an experience and it made it less taboo and it made it like, okay to explore at the same time though. I think the negative side was, um, you know, you don't see everything that goes into an investigation on television or even on YouTube, you don't see everything. And it's a lot of work and it's a lot of debunking. It's a lot of interviews. And so I think it, um, maybe, I, I worry that sometimes it doesn't show the whole, you know, spectrum no. of, of what we do yeah. and that it, it feeds into that, you know, one track mind of what the supernatural is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost part of the reason that this format became so popular, you know, with ghost hunters and the paranormal state and then ghost adventures, you know, that trifecta that was kind of boom, boom, boom. And then really it was off to the races with all these shows part of the thing was by having these kind of catchphrases and familiar origin story. It was like you were, you were created as these characters on TV and there was definitely an EVP is this, you know, a residual haunt is this. And then so many viewers that were truly fascinated by this, I think started using those terms. And then again, we started like getting locked in a box as, as a result. Um, Taddy, was that something that was difficult for you to break out of a little bit, like after PR, after Paranormal State, and then discussing your pursuits in this, especially making the leap to like Alien Highway, people being like, well, no, no, you're the ghost girl. Like, you're not the alien girl. Was that a little bit of a challenge for you? Um, At first it was, but it's funny because before I got, first of all, I I think that people kind of misunderstand the meaning of the word, word paranormal. I think it's all one thing. Cryptids like aliens, it's all paranormal. So um, for me, you know, it's funny because I was way more interested in all the alien stuff before I was into the ghost stuff, which a lot of people don't know. And um, I was always reading about alien abductions and I was just so fascinated by it. But it was a weird switch at first because obviously you're outside a lot and you have to worry about environmental factors. And that was very interesting to me, like especially going to Sedona and thinking about like, geomagnetic energy and things within um, the environment that you have to worry about versus like spending all my time in just like someone's little tiny basement. Like, um, so it, it was a, it was a fun switch, but it, it definitely has made me realize that there's people that specifically like we worked on animal mutilation cases, which are common in UFO investigations. And we worked with like fourth generation cattle ranchers that had these experiences where they would see a light in the sky their cattle would mysteriously die, no explanation as to why. 
And then they'd go into their house and experience common paranormal activity that someone living in a haunted house would experience. So it's, it's, there's a connection with EMF with, I think the consciousness, I think there's all, there's, it's all kind of connected together in a way. Yeah. I mean, I agree. The word paranormal encompasses a lot, aliens, cryptids, ghosts, and everything, but try telling that to a lot of TV executives. Yeah, they don't uh, get it. <laughs> they don't get it. Uh, so, okay, with that said, you know, having worked multiple shows between you two, um, you now approach Travel the Dead. You're not just on camera, you're the creative team as well, along with Kat. Describe how this format is different than what we have seen before or add something to what our preconceived notions about this genre is thus far. Set it up. Explain Travel the Dead. So Travel the Dead is, again, it's the private cases that Heather and I do. It's just this time we're bringing a camera. So it's they're very raw. They're very gritty. They're real. We're not overhyping anything. Um, and we're showing you guys as much as we can without it being like eye stabbing boring you know because sometimes paranormal investigating is boring um but it's and it's also a look at what it does to us as investigators because i think that's something that gets lost in the conversation a lot like us as investigators we're constantly inundated with like the worst stories of humanity ever and emotionally it takes a toll it just does and then you're also, you know, you're up really late and you're you're in these places with no heat, no electricity. And you're you're trying to get a response to something, hopefully. And the way we view this supernatural now, we think it's connected to life after death. Um, and so you're you know, again, you're calling out to these people that may have been murdered or uh, lost in time or gone missing or whatever it is. It's just I, I think there's a lot personally that we as investigators take on to do this work and I don't I, I think that kind of gets lost in the show sometimes um, so travel the dead is just very much a peek behind the curtain yeah the the uh, as far as the personal toll compared to when you're 22 years old and staying up all night lands a little bit differently especially then when you have to go interact with your own you know life outside of the investigation you know life continues it's not like that's it for you um but the staying up late uh, is is a thing. Um, uh, Taddy, I, kind of break down a little bit of the production duties here because this is a small team and there's a lot to do. So, what's happening? How who's who's handling what on this? Are, well, um, Katrina's handling the locations. Um, you know, we're we're kind of have like a list and we kind of decide where to go. And then we kind of work on, like, for instance, White Home Mansion. Um, we kind of, you know, we're always, at least Katrina and I are very used to knowing a lot of the history of the location we're going to, especially when working with clients or even just going to like an event where we're leading a ghost hunt with people. You know, we know a lot of the history. So to think of something different, we thought of the idea of like, let's have one person not know where they're going to, not know the location and then not know any of the history and not be able to like look up any of the history while we're there to just kind of go in and see like, how does that affect your investigation and your expectations of, you know, the investigation. So that, that was like a little thing we were trying to do different. And then for Penhurst, it was very uh, equipment focused and it was a location that we knew very well. We're very used to investigating. So why not, you know, um, bring someone with us that makes equipment and can properly tell us how it works and we can test it out 
And that way we know like what's natural and what, you know, is real. So um, that's kind of how, like our, our first two episodes, how we've been kind of doing it. But like, I, I do a lot of the B-roll. Obviously we're, we're both filming everything. And then um, we're filming our solo investigations and then we all kind of work together and we're we're all obviously very much a part of the editing process, the editing process, which, you know, we're not at least, you know, I'm not used to knowing how the shows are going to turn out. But it's really cool to just do everything on our own time, know what we want out of it and just do it with such a small team. It's been really fun. Yeah, you make a great point during the Penhurst investigation that you bring in this gentleman, Zach Haino. Uh, Haino. Haino. Hey, no, um, guys, it's really dynamic. Uh, he, I really like watching him as well. And you bring him in, he's got some uh, investigative tools and equipment that he has built. But you make this point that returning to a place that you have both investigated multiple times, there is value to that because now you can apply the, this equipment and see what lands. You know, Heather, you just mentioned this as well. And yet there's also sort of the surprises that a familiar spot can still deliver to you. I mean, for me, I've not done White Hill Mansion, but I've done Pinhurst multiple times. It seems like every time I go there, I might be rounding a corner thinking like, yeah, I kind of know what's happening in this spot. And then it still delivers some sort of surprise, still like some shocker. Um, is it still, are, were you finding on this investigation that this location still had more to reveal and more to surprise you with. Uh, Katrina, why don't you start? Yeah, I think, well, the time at Penhurst when we did for Travel the Dead, it was the most interactive I've ever seen it. So, and what I mean when I say that is, you know, we, we always tried these call and response techniques and sometimes they work. I, I think more than 50% of the time they don't. I really think the majority of supernatural experiences is just right place, right time. Um, but what was weird about Penhurst this time is that it seemed like every single time we were, Hey, can you do this for us? Something would happen. Hey, can you call out a name or, you know, we get something or, uh, there's one part that got cut from the episode, but will be in the bonus footage, um, where Zach's camera turns off by itself. We, you know, and he's what was interesting to me is that Zach's an electrical engineer. And what I love about the Penhurst episodes is that you can literally see his mind start to like you can see the hamster on the wheel start like how like, you know, he because he's he's always wanting to figure out how everything works. And there's just some moments where there's no explanation for it. Um, But yeah, I think Penhurst is always surprising to me as well. It's just so different every single time I've been. Did you have anything to add to that, Daddy? Um, I was going to say it was super active there. And, and just, I wish, like, the thing about Travel of the Dead is I, I like it because I like the feeling of, like, the audience feeling like they're there with us. And I feel like that episode did a really good job of it. And I feel like still after working in this field for so long with you, Katrina, we still, when something happens, we can't explain that feels so real. We're just, we have that, like, reaction that people... <laughs> are into you know it's it's exciting this is like never not exciting for me working in this field because you never know what's going to happen but when we were there my goodness the the loudness of the bangs and the slams we were we would hear were much louder than i had ever heard at like any location and it felt 
so close to us, the things we picked up, the sounds that we picked up on the photon intensifier camera sounded so close to the camera. Like it sounded like someone was shuffling around the camera. Someone was like crinkling paper. Like it was just so real. And I, I, you know, when things like that happen, I'm like, okay, is there a tree outside? Is there a branch hitting the, the roof of this place? Is there a raccoon somewhere? Like, and I tried to rule out every possibility. And for this one, I was just left, like, I have no idea what those noises yeah. were. Yeah. It was so real. Like we, we expected to just see someone walking down the hall and no one was there. It's just, it was incredible. Yeah. It was also like, we asked the, we had security and operations from the Penhurst staff uh, that night. And you just, I mean, you have to, you know, um, for security purposes on their end. And, um, I remember there was one point where I asked them, I'm like, okay, like top floor is going nuts. Uh, there's gotta be a reason for that. Right. And they were like, no, <laughs> they're like, we, we check all the time. Like we're always trying to figure out why these things are happening up there. Um, we've never been able to find a natural explanation. You guys are here during the most active time of year for whatever reason, summertime is the, is the time to be there. Third floor is the time to be there during the summertime of Mayflower. Um, so again, it was kind of, I think it was like one of those things, right place, right time, because when we went into the other buildings, they were really, really quiet. Mm-hmm. The, that was, you filmed this one summer 20, 2021, yeah. 2021, right. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder with these places, like if, when you start poking around and you, you, you start giving attention to whatever is there and then it stops almost if it like, if in the meantime, you know, because it was pretty much shut down more or less for a year or so. If there's almost like this buildup of activity of like, okay, uh, we kind of got used to this and now no one's here. And there's maybe an eagerness almost to interact or something like you pierce this bubble, you know? Yeah. And that's something we've actually talked about for Travel the Dead. Um, Heather, I can't remember which case was it that we like really got into. Was it Fort Mifflin? I think so. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Because we had wondered the same thing. Like, with the absence of all these people, how does that change the activity, if at all? Yeah, especially like Pender. It's uh, like it's such a. I, I love the location. It's one of those places that I hate it during the summer because it's so just oppressively grimy and and humid and hot. But then when you feel this blast of like a cold chill cut through you in an area that's not air conditioned, you're like, oh, well, that was definitely peculiar. Um, <laughs> What, what are some of the, I mean, if you can tease out uh, other invest, other locations, investigations you have on tap, if you're comfortable saying, what else do we have in the work? Yeah. You, you want to go with this? Or you, you, you take it, Taddy. Um, well, one of our next um, episodes premiering in March takes place at the 1912 Hoover House, um, which is in Pennsylvania. And um, we kind of didn't really know a lot of the history going into it, but it's it's interesting because uh, a paranormal investigator actually owns it now, and they live there and they rent it. They rent it out as like an Airbnb and or as like a bed and breakfast. And so they've had a lot of experiences there. But the owner also collects a bunch of antiques, like it's filled with all kinds of antiques and things. So um, that episode kind of focuses on you know maybe the antiques are um, causing some of it in a way. Um, but right. we do a reading with Michelle that's pretty incredible. And we also have a pretty compelling um, photograph that we try to examine and debunk. And it kind of left us speechless. 
as well. So, yeah. Speaking of Michelle, Michelle Belanger, uh, everybody loves Michelle going back from the old paranormal state days and just um, really accomplished author. It's good to see familiar faces pop up in this series because there is truly history amongst you. Is that something that moving forward that you have thought about doing with other investigators or other people in the field that you respect? You thinking about bringing in other faces? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, with Michelle, we needed a, we wanted a psychic and, you know, she's the one of the best that, that we know. And she's also, uh, I don't understand how she does what she does. So in the episode, Heather was talking about we, the Hoover house um, coming up in March, we have her do a remote viewing for the reading of that, of the location. And her eyes are closed the whole time. We do it through FaceTime. And this, I mean, she just, she's describing furniture that's in the house. So keep in mind, we could be anywhere. Normally, we're like at prisons, asylums, uh, old forts. I mean, those are like the typical places you go as an investigator. And this is a really nice B&B. So we could be anywhere. And then she's like, I'm seeing this carved antique bed with like four posters and there's intricate drawings on it. And then she sketches it out like perfectly from her house in Ohio. So it's just, you know need a psychic Michelle's definitely like one of our first choices um but also yeah we have a history with her and we've worked with her for close to 17 years at this point so we know her we trust her and I think one of the the important things when you're working with investigators um psychics non-psychics whatever it is I I personally like to work with investigators I know um because you're relying on each other's information you're relying on each other's eyewitness accounts and you have to be able to trust that person. Um, I always kind of find it challenging. You know, some of the shows uh, that we've worked on in the past, they were very adamant about bringing in like a new psychic for some reason. And I'm always like, no, because (laughs) you have to build that rapport with each other. But it's also from the psychics view, a lot of them, um, like Michelle, for example, she'll say it to us all the time. She feels like she's a stronger psychic when she works with us or anyone else that she's worked with for a long time because she's been able to establish that connection. And so it like makes her readings more accurate. Yeah. It, it goes both ways. There's that, yeah, the, that trust you have invested in her having worked with her for so long and just the general kind of, uh, I guess, uh, wavelength that, you know, she's able to tap into. Yeah. Um, It's really impressive to watch. Yeah, but we, uh, I, we've definitely talked about bringing on other people, you know, from not, I'm not lobbying for a guest. Oh, spot, but well, I'm just I mean, saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I feel like between like the cast of characters, both of us know it, we could have oh, yeah. some really interesting guests. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, and I, I'll make cocktails. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> some spirits we'll, have, like, after the spirits. we'll have a tea yes. lounge. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Spooty so we tea. need to bring Aaron to, you know, Aaron, we were asked to go to Tasmania. Wow. Through Travel the Dead. So that sounds like a place that would be right up your alley. <laughs> well, and I, yes, most certainly, yes, I'm in. But, you know, when you go to these locations, and and this is kind of a segue into another topic, but these locations that have just this rich cultural history 
of stories of folklore, their own take on ghosts that are way outside of our West, westernized, like European centric approach to all this. You get into like these aboriginal stories and incredible tales out there. Um, so with this, with Travel the Dead, having this this now, I mean, granted, you you've helmed and ushered other shows, but this is really the buck stops with you two right now is part of your pursuit kind of pushing the genre forward into more of an inclusive uh, and representative place? I think for me, when I think about that, like in general, in the paranormal field, obviously we don't have the answers to everything. And there's so many aspects of investigating that don't properly get represented on TV. So my hope is to try to, for example, with um, Michelle's amazing ability, people are so interested in how she does it, you know, from being in Ohio and we're in another state, she can't see, she doesn't know where we're at. Like, and, and I hope that we can get more of like her process out because she's picking up on different layers of things. And I don't know, I think a lot of people are, are interested in that, but I think just trying to think outside of the box and to think about things that are missed on like just investigations because there's so much that people don't think about. Um, same with equipment, you know, do people really know how the equipment is made if we're using the right equipment and do they know how to use it? And I think that's what we were trying to get across at the Penhurst episode is like really knowing the equipment and can we build new equipment that will help us discover more. Yeah. I don't know if that answers yeah, the question that I just kind of rambled on. Well, I mean, and it's a good point. It's something you bring up in the Penhurst episodes as well that it's not like this is a ghost detector or a ghost finder. It's more of a device that it can measure environmental anomalies, which perhaps you can establish patterns as a result from, you know, yeah. and, mm -hmm. and lead you. But I, I, that does answer my question, but I'm going to push it a little bit further. And in Katrina, I want you to, to take this, but also follow up. I mean, what are some of the things that with this show that you're able to implement here as two women producers and cast, as well as having a DP who is a woman, what are things that you're able to implement with travel the dead that perhaps you've not been able to do with other shows? Um, I think that the biggest thing is um, we don't have to stick to a formula with how the show is presented or what we do in the show. So, um, and this isn't to speak negatively about, you know, the shows that we've been involved in at all, but just it just happens. It's just like the nature of working on a network show is that an, a formula gets established. So it becomes, OK, do your do your intro with the person and then go and do this and then you go and do that and then you do that and then it's wrap up. Here's the evidence. And, you know, obviously and it's based off of a lot of how actual investigations work, like when we work with clients that's very much how it goes. We, we walk into their house and we meet with them and we interview them and we start our investigation at the end, we give them evidence. So it's not like the formula of the shows come out of nowhere. They're very much based off of what we do as investigators. But I think, and we noticed this Heather, I mean, very early on with paranormal state, there was a frustration, I think from our viewpoint, the PRS's viewpoint was that once the television show got popular, then we were kind of stuck in a formula. And yep. as investigators, we don't ever know what a case is going to bring. And so sometimes a case just doesn't going to fit the formula. You know, we need to not be so boxed in that way because I think it just hinders us 
um, not only as investigators, but it also, I think, personally hinders the show because, you know, you're just kind of presenting the same uh, path each time. And um, so what I like about, you know, Travel the Dead and what we're able to do is that we don't have to do that. It's like... Like, for example, the going to Penhurst and testing on equipment, we never would have been able to do that if that was if this was a network show. That wouldn't have been a thing, you know, yeah. um, it would be part of an episode, but it couldn't be the whole reason for an episode, um, you know, or having it switch up where Taddy doesn't know anything going into a place. If we did that on episode one, every single episode would have to be like that. Or maybe right. you could have like one special episode where you do it. But it's just so I like the freedom we have where we can switch things up that feel right for the location, feel right for the investigation, feel right for the people that we're bringing on to our team at that time. Um, And I think also, you know, um, a lot of people have been pushed to being sidekicks over the years on these shows. And I I mean, there's look, there's nothing wrong with the people who are in front, but I also think there's room to put other people in front. And um, the field itself is very diverse. So I personally get a little frustrated when I don't see that, you know, on the screen. Um, So I think, you know, Travel the Dead has been a, is, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Freeing? It's just been nice just to be able to to do it. And like, I know there's a lot of women who who watch the shows and they want to see other women do this and they want to see the women in the front. And so it's, it's nice to be able to bring that. Taddy, did you have more? Yeah, I was just going to say, I was going to agree and say that it's, it's really difficult to kind of set parameters around the unknown because obviously we don't know what, what's ever going to happen, but um, it is cool that we have the ability to kind of make each episode a little bit different to mix things up. So it's not just the normal, you know, and a lot of people don't think about like, I'm really into parapsychology and I really like, you know, just linking the mind with things. And a lot of people don't realize that, especially when dealing with clients that like you're projecting stuff to happen, like you're creating it. And um, I don't know, I really like that aspect of it. And I hope we can, it'd be cool to do an episode where we worked with clients again, Uh, maybe revisiting an old case and just trying to like focus more on how a haunting can affect a person going through it. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, Katrina, to your point, yeah, it's certainly not dismissing or talking negatively about any show that anybody's been involved in. It's formats emerge as a necessity, you know, of, of network TV, you know, it's, you know, it's so that way, you know what to sell around for advertisers, you know, how, where the breaks are and how each, and there's got to be a setup, there's got to be a payoff, there's, there's an act system, you know, it's, it works because it is a formula and a format that is kind of reliable. That's, and that's just the nature of the business, but this is sort of also, I mean, you said freeing, is it also just freeing being able to work in this YouTube space uh, where you're not having to follow the same restrictions and structure of the traditional network format where you don't have to necessarily have the specific payoff or scare moment at the end and you can play around with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, I think one of the reasons, because we talked about a couple different platforms on, you know, where to release this and we kept coming back to YouTube and I think we liked YouTube because 
it, we could reach everybody at once. You know, um, that was a big part of it. We can interact as these episodes go live, um, which we do. Heather and I are always on the chat and um, during the premieres. And um, sometimes Kat will join us. Sometimes our editor, who's amazing, Jay Milton, will join us. Um, I think Zach joined us, uh, mm-hmm. who was our guest investigator. Um, you know, so it's just it's just fun. I, I, we just enjoy it. And I think, yeah, yeah, definitely a yes to your question. That is just, um, you know, since it's, it's our project, we get to do what we want with it. And YouTube's a great platform for that. Taddy, with that in mind, I mean, because you do essentially, you guys can call the shots. You can go in any direction. You can bring in clients if you'd like. Is there an interest? Has there been a discussion and perhaps taking on a cryptid case or an alien case and then pushing the format even further? Yeah, we've definitely discussed that, especially like UFO investigation. I think um, it would be fun to do that. Like for we did one um, on paranormal state and then we went back and did an event at the same location. And it was just it's such a cool, you know, vibe. It's it's a cool location out in Washington that we're thinking about doing. But um, yeah, I think it'd be cool to kind of expand and and pick out the similarities and see how all of it kind of interconnects. Yeah, I think we, and have, we definitely talked about the alien stuff because of, yeah. yeah. And um, I think it'd be cool. Like when I went to Sedona last spring, every single person I met was like, oh yeah, no, I've seen like 20 UFOs. Like every single person. And it was no big deal. It was the same as like, I don't know, I live in Pennsylvania and it's the same as, yeah, I've had like two cheesesteaks today. What's the big deal? Like, you know, what I mean? it's like, it was said like so nonchalantly, of course there's UFOs. And I was so amazed at how many people were just so willing to talk about it, you know? Um, so I think, I think we're going to definitely explore a lot of different aspects on travel the dead. And it, and it really, honestly, we're just taking the requests. Um, so since it aired, we've been flooded with requests from, like I said, like Tasmania, I was so surprised about that. Um, and all these locations have been wanting us to come out. So it, it's very much, you know, what locations would like us to be their guests and we'll come. Yeah. And I, and I think that, I mean, you guys were definitely ahead of the curve with paranormal state by having, I remember that alien episode or UFO episode. It was interesting because I just don't think most, I don't think most paranormal shows, most ghosty shows would then do like a very special episode of, yeah. you know, ghosty show. Where now we look for aliens. You know, it's like, instead it's like, because of that format, it's like, Oh, we got to stick with the ghosts. Like, no, no, it's all weird. It all fit. No, no. Got to stick with the ghost. So, but I, I also think the audience is more down for it than ever before, because there has been this paradigm shift of seeing the overall weirdness of everything out there where you're having a conversation that, you know, includes a ghost, a mothman, a Bigfoot and, you know, gray aliens and, and whatnot all at once. It seems like, right. Am I, am I think I'm wrong on that one? No, no. Well, it's funny because you mentioned the four and actually for paranormal state, um, Heather, I, I think you and I have talked about this, but it's, do you remember with the alien episode and definitely with mothman? I remember this, mm-hmm. that was season one. That was very, very hard to get the network to approve. Yes. I remember they, that. They did not want us to do it because it was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, where's the client? Where's the, but are you good? How are you going to investigate this? And you're, you're going to old TNT 
factor? Like, what are you talking about? It was very, very hard to get them to like wrap their heads around the fact that no, this is all, this is all paranormal. This is all what investigators do. We actually go out and investigate this stuff and it's, it's still as gripping as a ghost story, you know? Yeah. It, I, I hate to ask like the strong female character question um, because it just feels like a trope in of itself right now. However, the fact is, is that within the paranormal world, we do see some leads that are women and you two amongst them. Uh, but it's still not on the level. It's uh, we're not uh, at a, a level of equality or equity with that. So for, I guess, I hate to say like what you know what are you saying to the women out there that are in the paranormal investigative realm and trying to gain that respect and then maybe even trying to make that leap to the the TV side of things for those that are what do you say to people that are doing that to women specifically Katrina um well I think it's if if well I guess as far as if they want to be in the media side of it, it's definitely a small, it's a small table right now, but it doesn't mean it's impossible. And I think, um, you know, I've been really, it just, I don't even know what the word would be for it. It's just one of those things where I got to make a face where I'm like, <laughs> like, like, why are we still doing this where we're not, you know, letting other people have a leadership role. Um, just because of their gender or their race or their religion or whatever it is. Like we're just so focused on one type of person being a leader. And um, with women specifically, I think it very much comes down to, you know, uh, just antiquated views of male, female, you know, so men are leaders, women are followers, men protect, women need to be protected. And I think we see that in the paranormal genre because it's very much, um, there's scary things happening. <laughs> like, and like, I don't know, girls are always supposed to be screaming and scared and crying about it. And meanwhile, Heather and I are over here like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that's really bled into the genre, those views. Um, but I would say if you're a woman and you want to do this, get out there and do it. And if you're having trouble finding a group that feels right to you, start your own. And if you want to be in the media, um, honestly, I would just start on social media. And my biggest thing is have integrity. Like, you know, I think there's a lot of people that feel the need to make things up to get traction and you don't need to do that. So don't fall to that pressure. Be you, be real. And the rest will come. Good advice. I like that. Thanks, baby. Put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I agree with everything she said. Just do it. Like we have the resources with the internet and everything, just we have, we carry around these freaking computers in our pockets all the time. Go out, go where, go follow your passion and just do it. And I mean, if it's good enough, people will see that you're passionate about it and they'll, they'll get into it as well. So also I'll say this. Oh, sorry. Cause Heather and I talked about this recently and I think it's actually fascinating when paranormal state started, it was very much male dominant. I mean, it, there I were there female. There was there was a vet from um Most Haunted, but uh-huh. I can't think of another female that was front and center. Um, and so paranormal state started and it was 
two guys. So originally Paranormal State, if you watch the pilot episode, it's like, I don't, what is it, Heather? Like 12 different investigators on that pilot? There were a lot more people. Yeah, there was a psychologist um, and there were like, I think another, there was another girl that didn't stick around. That was Yeah, there was, a, there was a lot of people. And so when the show got greenlit for series, they were like, let's, we have to narrow this down. And so they were like, let's, we'll have five investigators. And so it was Ryan, Sergi, Elfie, and they wanted two more people for this. And so they didn't feel like anybody that was part of the core club fit. So they expanded to like Heather and I were in training in the club at that time. And then, but they opened the, they opened up a casting call for whoever wanted to come and Heather and I were brought in as you know, the trainees. And so we got casted and, um, what I find fascinating about that was it skewed the show female dominant at a time where that wasn't happening. And it's, I always find it really fascinating because I remember we, Heather and I got calls, um, as the casting process was happening and it was like something like over 200 people and then it got narrowed down and then it ended up being four people. And it was me, Heather, some guy and someone else. And I can't remember the, the fourth person. And I, I remember thinking at the time there's only going to be one female spot like because they're going to they're going to skew this male um, just because that I don't know why I expected that, but I did. So it was such a pleasant surprise, I think, that it was both of us ended up skewing the show female. And I talked to um, one of the producers who was part of that and his response was very much, well, you guys both brought something so unique and good to to the project like we couldn't not bring you guys like it didn't matter your gender so I think that kind of goes back to talking about women being in in the media in the genre is that like yes it is harder but there are also producers who recognize that they just want to see who you are regardless of anything else and so like you know um there are producers out there that want to make that happen yeah but I kind of realized said, sorry also <laughs> You know, no, but no, no, it's, it's a great point. And, and as you said, also produce your own stuff. I mean, that's the thing. It's yeah. like TV, whatever TV is anymore. It's like there are still people that think in a very old school way and a very limited way. But meanwhile, uh, you know, like Taddy said, we all have the tools to create our on our own. And I'm often telling people, like, don't create because you think you're going to get rich off of reality TV or YouTube or whatever but create because you actually want to create, but you can do it and you can put your voices out there and there's a hell of a lot more of a diversity of voices or viewership in YouTube than on whatever traditional TV is anymore. Probably shouldn't be saying that since I still cash checks from that, but <laughs> <laughs> but it is a fact. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, well, as we wrap up, um, actually two final questions. One, uh, any kind of uh, tease out without too many specifics, any kind of uh, oh shit moments that you experience in some upcoming episodes or investigations that you can't wait for the viewers to see? I mean, people love those shit moments, you know? Um, I Taddy, personally, oh, who wants yeah, to be? Taddy, no, right. no, no, Taddy, go, Taddy, go. Um, um, something very specific happens to me in this 1912 Hoover House episode that's going to premiere in March. And it's just funny that the like the series of events that happened before um, I, I can't really tell. I can't really say much, but something happens to me. And we luckily we had a game camera set up and we caught it on film. 
So I'm excited for people to see that. All right. Yeah. And I would say Michelle's readings, they will melt your mind. (laughs) She's literally, yeah, she sketches out. There's one location we go to um, and she literally sketches out the buildings on the property. She's in Ohio. We're in PA. She has no idea where we are. And she sketches out like the schematics for the buildings. It's crazy. Yeah. I believe it. I believe yeah. it. I still need to go visit her uh, her haunted B&B up there in, in Ohio. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, I've not been yet. But uh, and and finally, um, how would what would is there anything that you would change about how people look at the paranormal right now? I mean, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but if you're going to change something about how people view the paranormal, what would that be? Is I that guess a tough for, one to end on? <laughs> kind of, yeah. I guess for me, it's like, I think people think that, how do I word this? People think that they have the answers for everything and we're all trying to find them together. It's not, it's, there's just so much more to it that, um, I don't know how to explain this is tough. Do you guys kind of know what I'm saying? Like people think we have the answers, but we don't. And you just have to keep trying different things to get those answers. And collaborate. It seems like you don't have ownership over this ghost or that, that theory or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah. I echo what Heather says. It's very much, I think um, there's an idea, like for example, like, if a scratch happens, so many people automatically think it's evil. Well, it doesn't mean it's evil. Like we just assume it's evil, you know, or, um, Ouija boards. That's a big one that comes up. We always get that question. Oh, well, Ouija boards are evil. Are they? We don't really know. Like, you know what I mean? They're, they're another form of communication, like an EVP. Um, but they've kind of gotten a bad rap because of how they've been uh, portrayed on a lot of media. Um, so I, I think there's things like that where it's there's certain ideas that have been put forth and they've kind of become like Heather said, they've become like these absolutes in the field. But there are no absolutes in the field until we actually have, you know, science behind them. We don't we really don't know. Um, so it's a lot of speculation at this point um, and a lot of theories, which, you know, we can we could talk about the word theory in more depth. But um yeah, so I think it's just being aware of where the theories come from, why we say them, why we use them, but also knowing that um, they could all fall apart tomorrow. Right. It's a, it's a good thought. <laughs> yeah. No, I like, no, I, I concur. I, I 100% concur. And, and the next episode we have this coming up that's kind of the wrap up of Penhurst, and then looking at early march yeah early march for the next location the next couple of weeks will be uh behind the scene footage things we couldn't fit into the episode and um a live chat with me heather zach Hainow, and uh i think we're working on maybe one other guest to see if they can join um but that's a live chat people can join we talk uh we try to answer as many questions as we can and we'll get zach in there to talk about his equipment and what he's working on and if he found any other uh anomalies from our time at penhurst once he analyzed the data um so it should be a really interesting chat and that'll be mid-february and then early march will be the next location 
Are you trying to book the actual ghost as the surprise guest? Like, I am. Damn the, it. Aaron. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Spoiled. The whole Jerry Springer moment too. Like, uh, I got the ghost. He's, you know, waiting backstage. <laughs> you are not the father. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and how can people keep up with you personally, Taddy? Um, with me, well, I am pretty active on Instagram. Uh, my name's Tad to the Bone on there. Uh, Twitter, um, you can email me, check out my website. Um, I put up some blogs every now and then of, of, of my investigations. I'm working on the Penhurst one right now. Katrina. Uh, all my tags, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube are all at Katrina Weidman. Um, so last name is spelled We ID Man. All right. I love it. And <laughs> once again, uh, my guests uh, on my friends are Katrina Weidman and Heather Taddy, and they are on the new YouTube paranormal series, Travel the Dead, which they're also the producers and creative forces behind. And I thank you both very much for chatting with me today. And for all those out there, if you have been watching this live, thanks for checking it out. But uh, And if you're listening to this in the audio form, this has been Talking Strange. And if you have any stories that you'd like to share that are strange, unusual, email us at talkingstrange at denofgeek.com. And until next time, I'm Aaron Sagers, and I'm asking you, be kind, stay spooky, and keep it weird. Talking Strange is a part of the Den of Geek Network, available wherever you listen to other podcasts. If you like what we're doing, share Talking Strange with your friends and fellow spooky nerds. And please, subscribe, rate, and leave a nice review. If you have a strange or paranormal story you would like to share with us, please email talkingstrange at denofgeek.com for a chance to have it read on a future episode. For video episodes of Talking Strange, check out twitch.tv slash denofgeektv and youtube.com slash denofgeekus. And please follow at TalkStrangePod on Twitter and at Aaron Sagers on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon for more paranormal pop culture content. <laughs>